One minute and 30 seconds. This is Auto Collabs. Oh, you just missed getting over 90 World record seconds was coming ball. in. It wasn't even validated. The world, I, I the world can... record. He was just balancing a bottle on his head of, uh, of just... well, because I don't know if you guys know this about Paul, but Paul is particular. And he's even particular about his water. Actually, more particular about his water than most. Other. You, you, I, I'm you curious. Tell me more. Water? You do you drink <laughs> posh water? He, he he drinks fancy water from a can. Oh, there's still water here. Actually, water. this is this is a company called Open Water, and the water comes in these aluminum cans. And the reason I got onto this is because we visited Magnolia, the Magnolia silos in Austin. And they had these really cool waters in like the place we rented. And I was like, I love this company. Like the whole packaging is great. So now the packaging is great. here at the it studio. I, I found them and now this is just cool water and it's refillable. And, and it's now a little bit of water only for $5 a bottle. No, it's not that much. It's like a dollar 20 for this thing. And if you, if, okay. and if it was in a plastic water bottle, people would just take it and throw it away. But we have bottle fillers here at the office. So you get the feel, the fancy water. People literally, clients come back, hey, do you have that fancy water? Legit. It's nice. And if I can I have say, someone feel that way. out of it, like it stays colder longer if you've had it in the fridge or anything. You know what I think so, is interesting about this? Kudos. Water. Not only are we mostly made up of it, it's all <laughs> over the place. And someone took, now somebody somewhere was like, we should get into water. And then they got backhanded. You know that Batman meme? They're like, you idiot. Everyone's in water. You know? And they were like, but what if we put it in an aluminum can? Yeah, I remember when people, like, when they started selling bottled water and there was a little bit of, like, an outrage. Like, who would pay for bottled water? Just yeah, think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that, here's the thing. at one like, point, that was the dumbest idea ever. Dumbest idea ever. Which shows you can actually reinvent, you can innovate inside of something that might seem saturated to others. Like, there's people that see opportunity. There's people that don't. Oh. I'm thinking about our guest for today. Guys, where you're going. that's unbelievable. The fact that we got from balancing a water can on a head to and, there. And what you don't understand if you're listening or watching the show is that when we start an intro, we just start an intro. Like <laughs> there's no, no grand coordination. No, All right, I'll do this no and you do that. Literally, I started balancing this on my head and at some point somebody hit record and they started talking. So I knew we started. Nathan is now with perfect. somebody. We should bring <laughs> Nathan perfect. in for a brief second. Yes. How he feels about being called somebody. <laughs> somebody <laughs> out there. Oh, it's fine. There he is. Somebody. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> somebody. Oh, man. Well, hey, uh, we've got a couple somebodies that uh, all of that conversation wrapped up into beautifully and nicely, uh, hopefully, from uh, Michael Cirillo. We've got Tony Vigiletti and Shane Bell with Connection, and we're just excited to share this conversation with you that we uh, get to have with them. So enjoy the conversation. <laughs> right here we are with shane and tony from connection um i love conversations where i don't really know a lot about our guests because i have no idea what's coming down the pike gentlemen thanks for joining us today on auto collabs thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us okay so um let, let me ask you this tony and shane you're right behind them because this is a question we love to ask on everybody because on the show we like to get the get the details on the person shane, tony how did you end up in the auto industry to begin with uh, wow. So back in 2011, I was working at a local bank in Detroit, um, position uh, kind of went away and, uh, I was finishing up my MBA and, um, uh, there was a, a, one of the partners in my class, um, had a connection at GM and 
So I started working at OnStar in 2011. It, it uh, completely living in Detroit my whole life. Uh, you know, I wasn't the only one in my family who didn't work in the auto industry, but uh, I was not missing out. So. Wait, you said you were the only one who didn't work in the auto industry at the time? In my family, yeah, yeah. Who really? What are some of the other What are the, some of the other roles that your family fills in the auto industry? Uh, there were the engineers. Um, some worked at the factory. Um, my dad actually grew up uh, with the rental car industry. Uh, he had a company here in <coughs> excuse me uh, in Michigan. So I grew up in the the rental car industry and then transitioned over to GM. Wow, huh. that's. I mean, I've got a question, but we're gonna I go know to what Shane question first. You have, but... <laughs> I got a question about something you said in there, but we're gonna go to Shane. Shane, what? Uh, how'd you get your start in the old auto industry? Yeah, um, I mean, so I've worked in software for many years, and then I kind of just stumbled upon um, a, a provider in the you know the retail automotive space, and then I had a mentor that you know, worked for Toyota for many years and both, you know, the retail side, the rental side. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I know far more about, uh, you know, all of the programs depending on the brand than I ever thought that I would. Um, and I, I'm just stuck. So, yeah. All right. So Tony, now you got, now you got my question. All right. You got my question. So, Back in 2011, which isn't that too terribly long ago, but still, you were with OnStar yep. in 2011. <laughs> Talk to me about OnStar in 2011, because OnStar in 2011 was, I remember actually, I started selling cars in 2009, and in 2011, OnStar was still like, sometimes you press the button and it worked. Sometimes you press the button and it wouldn't work. And sometimes you just didn't even know why you wanted to press the button at all. Right. Like, what was it like in the, I mean, that wasn't absolute like dead set early, you know, it was like, I think it was like mid two thousands that OnStar kind of hit the scene, but what was it like kind of being a part of the early, the start of like connected technology inside vehicles? Yeah, that was actually really the, the exciting part is, you know, once I, got into kind of uh, the position I was in was kind of a sales operations type role. Um, but as you know, I kind of got more in, in depth of what OnStar was, um, got really fast about the technology side of it. So I, I kind of stayed on the technology side with the fleet, you know, uh, vehicle data. Um, I was part of a lot of cool things. Like we got to, you know, we were building uh, in vehicle applications, we we're building, you know, selling data out to you know, third parties to, you know, manage their fleets. And so you know, it was kind of a lot of different programs that we were kind of building there. Um, is actually how I met Connection. Um, when I was at GM, I was building a fleet product, uh, you know, using the embedded OnStar telematics to kind of manage your, your landscapers, florist, delivery drivers. Um, you know, without using devices, how do you track those vehicles? How do you know what you know if they're speeding? How do you know if, you know where, where the cars are? Um, if they're being you know driven out you know outside of hours? Um, you know all that information. So uh, we were actually building one at GM uh, to have it you know branded as GM and. Uh, we realized that we probably couldn't build it the software side uh, on our own. So um, we went out to, to suppliers and that's where we met connection. And uh, huh. years later, I came full circle and I uh, decided to you know, join the team and, and help grow. There you go. Very cool. There you go. That's like, I'm, I'm just imagining being in some of these meetings like, all right, we could either build this on our own or we could go find some software people out there that know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Like. That, it's a tough go building a car 
and building technology to meet it and understanding the customer demand and doing all the R&D around like, how does this technology work? Is it going to work for customers? Exactly. Where did you see like the biggest gap that, that you feel like customers were asking for along the way going, hey, we don't have access to this, but we need that. Or like this is a, a gap in the industry um, that were solved like with particular uh, features as they were coming out. Yeah, that's actually kind of the unique piece um, is, is the customers that we were selling to didn't know they needed this solution, right? And so mm. it's something that we, we see. That always there. makes it easy to sell. Exactly, right? <laughs> uh, they don't know what telematics are. And then you're like, oh, by the way, we can also manage your vehicle with the telematics. And, you know, it's 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 a very different, you know, sales pitch, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of education. And we knew that, you know, even though customers, there was a need because we know, you know, the Coca-Colas of the world, they, they have these solutions. Yeah. Fleet, right, fleet customers get it right away. Yeah, you're right. But, the, you know, your small business owner who has five or six trucks doesn't see themselves as a fleet owner, right? Mm-hmm. They just see themselves sure. as that just, that's the car that I need to do to, to you know, get either transportation or do the job. Um, so, you know, they don't really view it as a fleet and, you know, you're not going to hire a fleet manager to, you know, kind of oversee your operations when you're only running a couple of trucks. Uh, so it was kind of, uh, we were solving a need that they don't know they needed. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of, uh, um, as kind of the hassle, right? And so... Wow. It was definitely interesting. Um, you know, we had the program, I think, for a couple years. It was called uh, Commercial Link. Um, it was based on, you know, a, the connection platform that we have today. Uh, and then over there is when we transitioned to building Entrack for GM, which is kind of the base of our mobility platform now. Yeah. Now, Shane, you're working with, you were telling us beforehand that you're working with a lot of the larger groups that connection is integrated with and through Entrack and all that. How like how have you seen that change over the last couple of years in like the dealers or the OEM communicating with the customer about all of these advanced technologies? Because it, it is, it's like, it's definitely something new. You know, we've been connected through devices back since, you know, the, the late nineties really was when like the big connectivity started coming in through all of our devices, but telematics are still fairly new as like educating a customer and a dealer and, and everybody what's possible. How are you seeing that education map um, to results and to like good customer loyalty and all of that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're starting to see more and more um, across like several OEMs, like for example, like Toyota and Lexus are very good at sort of marketing like the whole connectivity thing and like kind of selling it to the customer and like, whether it be like an app or like, Hey, you can unlock your, you know, you can use your phone as your key and like things like that. Um, I mean, I feel like certain brands are a little bit more sophisticated than others and kind of being creative in how they sell it, um, you know, to the consumer. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's becoming more and more popular. I'm, I'm I don't really see groups sort of selling the whole like telematics thing yet um but definitely i feel like oems are starting to kind of hop on that uh on that trend so what are the what are the like you know you're you're obviously on in touch with a lot of people like on the ground as the account exec what do you see as like the biggest the biggest need or request you know the biggest use cases where where people are really leaning into it and really seeing some you know positive results yeah um so i mean like like me myself, like, I mean, I drove uh, Audis for a few years and 
Um, right now I don't have one, but I definitely enjoyed the whole like being able to unlock, like use my phone as a key is a really good example. Um, that sounds and so even, good. I yeah, it's, wait. I can't wait to get that feature. Now I just saw, yeah. what was it? The Hyundai commercial that just featured it on their new, like returning to work commercial. And I was like, Oh, I want that so bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's a Genesis commercial that I keep seeing, um, where they unlock the car in the commercial with a phone. And I'm, I'm like, that's so genius, you know? Um, and it, it, it can get as granular as like even knowing whether or not you left a window rolled down um, is another really good example. So it, it, there's some really cool stuff going on for sure. There's, just... there's no better feature in Michigan than the uh, remote start when you land a plane or you, and uh, you can use your phone and you know remote start your car. So it's nice and toasty when you get there. It's, it's perfect in January. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I live in upstate now, New York. I love that feature. Yeah, exactly. As soon as you get you guys obviously signal, like, start the car, start the car. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys have obviously see a lot of data. Are you seeing increased adoption ac across customers in using the telematics that you're connected to? Like, I know you deal with a lot of rental and fleet and stuff like that but are consumers adopting this as it's as it's available by the oems and the dealers yeah they're they're adopting it and they're expecting it that's that's part of it as well you know is that a lot of oems weren't at you know anywhere near the the take rate of you know implementing these telematics into the cars um that you know gm was um now you've seen almost every oem you know they're they're getting it up the above 70 percent type you know connectivity so they're they're starting to really adapt it and again customers are expecting wow. it, so yeah, I think that that's key because like when you go through everything else, you just like, I mean, Paul, Paul knows how I feel about if you don't accept Apple pay at a place, right? Like I get okay. a full, it's bad, right? <laughs> um, and so you just expect these technologies to be integrated into everything. And so I think customers are expecting that with their vehicle ownership or with their, like even their service process or their rental process. Now, uh, Shane, you were saying like, I'm not seeing dealers educate their customers on this. Have you, have you seen any do that or do that well? Or is there like, is there a new expectation or need for us as for the dealer network to be working to educate their customers, not just post-sale? Cause you see like, that's why like a lot of these OEMs are getting these high 70% connection, connectivity downloads and things like that because the dealer is selling the car and then supporting that um, play into the market. But do you see a need for dealers to do pre-education on some of these items? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, I work with probably I'd say roughly fifty of the top automotive groups in the U.S. And right now, I can say honestly that I don't see uh, at the group level that they're sort of leveraging the telematics and kind of like selling that. Uh, there's a multitude of ways that they could be doing that. Um, I'm, yeah, give us some of those examples, actually, because yeah, I think that like, might help unlock some people's thinking like, oh, I could do that and I don't. So, yeah, um, I, I think it should really come from the OEM educating the group on how to do that. Um, I mean, they're. I want to be careful in what I say. So, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got uh, it. Yeah, I'm kind of careful in what I say. But I mean, it, it, it could be as as easy as, you know, like the OEM, like how, how they're doing it, like selling it like, oh, like you can use the whole your phone as a key and like, uh, you know, monitor fuel and stuff like that from 
your device. Um, I mean, like I, I lost my phone, like I'm just being candid right now. I lost my phone and it was like my whole world uh, was in there. And so I had to get a new one. And so I think that like think pushing things to mobile and like things being like in apps is very forward thinking. And I think that the OEMs are doing a really good job. I think that maybe they could work a little bit more closely with, you know, maybe the Asperys and the automations of the world and kind of push a little bit more of that initiative. And there are probably, I, w I would think that there are certain markets where adoption or importance of these features is just way higher when you get closer to urban or tech sat, you know, technologically advanced like areas that have a lot of tech, a lot of young professionals. It seems like those areas even more so start leaning sure. in on those where some rural environments would be like a kind of a nice to have. But but like you said, like you, you drove an Audi, which was your first exposure to the keyless, you know, mm -hmm. using your phone to open your door. Um, there's just a lot fewer Audis in the country, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no Audi dealers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and telematics, like Tony, we've talked a little bit, you know, we had a webinar last week, but tell telematics is, is not just about like the app that the consumer uses, but also what dealers have access to in like, you know, because telematics, like you said, with OnStar, like a lot of the origination came in fleet management and understanding where your fleets are, what they're doing, how much gas is in them, all of that. Um, how can dealers right now be leveraging like all of these telematics in in their daily operations? Yeah, it's a, and they're they're actually doing it today, right? So with the platform that we have right now, um, when you you know you take the car out, we know what the ex exact mileage is. You know, you're not having someone write down a piece of paper. You're not having someone fat fingering things, changing miles. Um, also, you know, like when you return a rental car, right? They look at kind of the needle and say, all right, you know, we're going to charge you this much and with, with our system and with the telematics from the car, we know exactly the car left with 20 gallons. It came back with 18 gallons. Do you want to charge that customer the two gallons or do you want to waive it? You know, it, it gives the dealership ownership. Um, the gives them the, at least the information of how they can, you know, of, of, of how they can manage that customer. So, you know, damage yeah. on it, miles on it, um, fuel level, tire pressure, you know, if the car is in an accident, they can find that information out. Um, without having to, you know, reach out to the customer directly. So there's a lot of information that um, the vehicles can tell the dealership to kind of, you know, because either way you look at it, is, right? The dealership loaner cars or their fleet, it's still a fleet. So the same type of use case that your commercial, you know, rental operators have. Um, and, and, you know, the data just helps again, give the, gives the dealership the information and they can then decide how they'll proceed. Right. And I, I kind of want to jump in. So, yeah. Like with service and maintenance, I think is a really good space to where they could sort of push, uh, you know, like a push notification, whether it be like, I, you know, like the Toyota One app or like the Lexus, I think they're calling it the monogram app or something like that um, to kind of drive um, dealership based service versus them going to say like, you know, I don't even know, like Pet Boys or whatever. Um, you know, like saying like, hey, like it looks like you're at however many miles, like it's time to check in with your service advisor. And then it, it would be a really white glove experience if they could. Um, that's the, that's that's huge yeah. because we've always had to do it based on time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like three months after service, four months after service. Oh, no, no, no. You're getting like within 100 miles of what you need. Yeah, exactly. I would use that. I would use yeah. that the most. <laughs> so would I. I forget all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That, that um, drives retention as well. Right. Because if I get a, a postcard in the, in the mail, like you said, right, every three or four months saying, Hey, maybe you need an oil change. Uh, or I get right. a message saying, Tony, your car told us you need an oil change. Come on in and we'll, you know, here's, you know, schedule online, right. Have the availability to look right on my phone. When I or, get or your car told us another, you need an oil change. Should we drop off one of our loaners to you tomorrow yeah. or Thursday? Absolutely. We can't wait to pick up your vehicle and bring it in. Yes and get or it no. While right. you have one of our cars. <laughs> Come on Kyle, now. Talk about it. Retention. Save, save, yeah. save these secrets. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, look, retention and customer loyalty are, are at a necessity. They're at an all time high. So whether it be an ownership experience or a service experience or anything like that, connected car allows for that. And uh, so obviously connection and, and some of the manufacturers that are uh, connected into those tools are, are doing that. Um, and I'm sure like if people want to find you, uh, Tony, Shane, you guys are all over the LinkedIn and all that and, uh, can go to connection. Is it.com? Uh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, would love uh, in, if anyone wants to connect with them, please do. Uh, but Tony, Shane, it's been fun getting to know you guys, getting to know like what's out there in the world of telematics and really appreciate you joining us, uh, here on auto. We'll sure. see you guys on both of Thanks for having us. Now, let's up the ante. Oh, see okay. if we can do a open glass of water. Okay. For the whole outro. Oh. Michael now has an open glass of water balanced on his head. And Kyle has a hat balanced on his head. I can't and- move my mouth. But like upside down, it's not that it, it was more fancy than what you said. You were like, oh, just a hat, you know, because you put a hat it upside, was upside down. Upside down. Upside. Hey, look, here's the thing. When when I think about the evolution of tech, technology and automotive, there's so many times where technology precedes uh, like what customers are ready for. Oh, yeah. And I think that automotive is is a lot of times ahead. We're actually experiencing a lot of this right now, right, with EVs, where the education has to come alongside the technology. So I love how Tony was talking about like, hey, we were building OnStar. And part of that was actually educating the customer that this is something they could use and potentially will actually feel the need for. And I mean, now you think about now, if if you didn't have some level of connection with your car, with an app or, you know, like the, the, the connected ideas of whether it be, you know, being just connected to simply to the navigation, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's something that we just can't even fathom. This is know? what I love. Like you think about Steve Jobs. He's been on my mind a lot today for some reason. We talked about him in our team meeting this morning. I think about Steve Jobs. He goes, I better take this off. But I'm impressed with myself. He goes, hey, here, here's the marketing pitch to customer, general customer. You can put 2,500 songs in your pocket. You know what they were probably saying internally? We are going to inject a data collection device in the pocket of every human being on planet Earth. And then just a few years later, we're going to know where they go, where they go consistently. Oh, they go to Kroger three times a week after 5 p.m. And people are afraid that Facebook's listening. Where, listening. where I'm going with this is then a few years later, they're like, hey, automakers, you know, it'd be cool as if we... Um, injected that same data collection device and interfaced it with your vehicle 
Uh, got him. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, Travel diagnostics. Travel diagnostics, driving habits. You, you look at the progressive app. It, it can tell when you've opened your phone while the car's moving, and it'll be like, we perceive that you were on your phone while driving. Big problem. And I think about that in terms of, of this conversation. You know, Does this it do that? Yeah, the progressive app. Yeah, asking, yeah, yeah. Asking it, for it detects when you've unlocked asking your phone while the car's moving. <laughs> All of this to say, like, you know, he's talking about fleet and how business owners, you know, maybe with five or six trucks don't think of them themselves as owning a fleet and the telematics and all of these different layers of connectivity. And he was really there in the beginning. And my my whole summation of this point is the other day I'm visiting a client five hours from me. I drive old Tessie, the Tesla down and uh, myself and my my. Uh, partner, business partner that I'm with, are, get curious. So we subscribe to autopilot, full autopilot. And that sucker drove us home and we were freaked out for the first five minutes. And oh, so shocking how comfortable we got during that drive with this thing driving itself. All this to say, you know, Tony's seen the beginning with OnStar. I have to believe there were brains back then going, wait until you see the level of connectivity that this is the catalyst for in the future. Without a doubt. Shoot. Well, look, we hope that you, this conversation, no, he's putting the water back on his head. You know, Michael, I avoided the whole thing. Kyle's putting his hat upside down. Listen, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, I wonder about my decisions and who I do business with and who I get on podcasts. With. And this is one of those moments but regardless, I hope we got you thinking a little more broadly about what's going on and how you can lean in to meeting the customers where they're at and not uh, not assuming they know what they should be doing, but educate them, walk them there. I'm going to try to walk Kyle and Michael Cirillo over to the uh, urgent care as soon as we're off this podcast. So on behalf of Kyle Mountsier, Michael Cirillo, and myself, thank you so much for joining us on Autoclips. Sign up for our free and fun-to-read daily email for a free shot of relevant news in automotive, retail, media, and pop culture. You can get it now at asotu.com. That's A-S-O-T-U.com. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Auto Collapse. Why are we recording? Are we rolling yet? <laughs>